Hey, LIFO listeners, thanks for listening to today's episode. And remember, you can get your copy of our new book, LOL, Loss of Logo, What's Your Next Move, written by Andy Dolich and myself, your host, Jake Hirschman, on Amazon or Mascot Books. If you go on Mascot Books, you can use the code LIFO for 50% off. Welcome to today's episode on Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jake Hirschman, here with my co-host, Andy Dolich, and our guest today and Jamie Party, CEO of Fan Compass. We're going to talk a little bit about revenue generation, the digital world, fan engagement, and much more. But I'll kick it off to Andy on the board of directors uh, to introduce uh, Jamie and, and his journey and, and story of how we uh, he got to Fan Compass. Well, it's uh, a perfect, I think, um, handoff in that Fan Compass, uh, which has gone through a few iterations, really deals with what's happening in the world of sports and how quickly circumstances can change. And we've all been through it over the last year plus. Um, and you only learn about it by having some sort of institutional experience not being in an institution, but actually working in various jobs as we're selling and marketing to fans all around the world. So it has been my uh, honor and fortune over many years to know Jamie Party in various iterations of both of our careers. And um, I find him one of the more forward-looking, agile, nimble executives that I've worked with Jamie paid me to say that, so now I can go into another introduction. Without further ado, um, here is Jamie Party um, to give us a bit of an overview of his GPS in the sports world and in the business of commerce, and then talking for those people that might not have a specific knowledge of what Fan Compass does on a daily basis. So, Jamie, welcome to Life in the Front Office. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you, guys. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure to be here as well. And uh, I can't wait to share my story here today and share what's really going on in the industry. It's, uh, it's definitely changed here in the last 11 months. And uh, a lot of things that we've done, uh, just being on the front line with a lot of teams internationally and domestically, uh, and to share those stories um, with your with your audience is is truly a pleasure. So thank you guys, Jamie. What, what's yeah? Go ahead, Jake. What's the passion behind Fan Compass? And and I'm sure that has a little bit to do with your journey or um, maybe how you got to where you are. But what's the passion behind it? The passion behind Fan Compass is to um, have teams really know who their fans are. I mean, that's really where it started. Um, and I started in the industry about 17 years ago. Uh, working as a consultant to help teams with their CRM strategy and, and content strategies and start running online marketing plans. I mean, this is before the word CRM was something and, and social media was um, MySpace. I mean, that's where we were. And um, data ownership, I always felt like data ownership was a, uh, was a path to um, not only increased enterprise value for sports teams, but also for their marketing and their sponsorship and their ticketing department to make stronger decisions and, and maximize revenues across the board. So the passion here has really been 
you know, I wasn't a guy that, you know, put up the foam finger during every sporting event when I grew up in my life. It was more around the business of sport. And that's really where I, uh, where I've hung my hat um, and started building out a, an industry that we now call fan engagement, which really didn't exist um, when, I, when I started this journey way back when. Jamie, what was the biggest bridge to cross in all this? You're a very enthusiastic uh, individual and you've got a terrific network of people. But when you were explaining what, what you wanted to accomplish, what, what was the greatest barrier to entry? And what, is it today? and what is it today? Yeah, the barriers have definitely come down. Um, and this is a very difficult industry to penetrate to begin with. Um, I, I've heard time and again from uh, investors, PE companies, uh, venture capitalists. Uh, but the biggest barrier then was we could always do this on our own and we could do this on our, by ourselves. And my co-founder, um, she came from the land of collaboration and there's always somebody better to do it. And that's truly the Silicon Valley or Sand Hill, um, Sand Hill Road way is outsource your non-core competency, outsource your best tech. And when she started working with Steve Jobs in 1983 and got brought here from Germany to build out Apple's products, it was Steve could have built Apple by himself, but he wanted the best and bringing in other people to, to really move the needle rather than we could do this on our own. So that was um, a big barrier then. Now it, there's really a lot less barriers to entry. Um, you know, our competitors have, um, They've increased in, in some respects, but some of the legacy ones have, they weren't able to get out of last year. And now it's, you know, the message is more or less the same. It's just, wow, this became a pain pill as opposed to a vitamin over the last 11 months. Jamie, when you think about, you know, doing it yourself versus outsourcing, there's always the, there's always the fear of, and the fear of is probably different for many organizations, right? The fear might be um, not our culture, not our way, don't understand our business. Uh, we don't want to pay money. I, there's, there's so many different, whatever comes after fear of, right? That's going to change. But sure. as you've seen those fears of other organizations and you try to say, well, here's how we can help you. And ultimately, here's how we can help make you better um, in collaboration what are those biggest fears for people? The fears have definitely come down and so of the org charts and the size of the organizations in sports um, over again, over the last year. I mean, we were what a 0.2% unemployment rate in sports last February. I think it spiked up to a 50%. So when we come there with a the solution and we come there with, you know, there's revenue gonna be coming off of this um, by working with us, it's a much different conversation and to shoulder some of those things where, oh, you know, we could just have, you know, uh, uh, Susan and Bob take care of all this stuff. Well, Susan and Bob really don't exist as much as they used to. So it's a, um, it's, it's just been amazing. I mean, ever since January 1st, I think we've brought on 15 new properties, uh, not only in NBA, esports, soccer, baseball, uh, and football. It's, it's just changed. The whole landscape has totally changed. Um, definitely in our favor. Was there an aha moment as you were going through your journey that said, I'm all in, 
on you know the original concept of Van Compass named Gaga and now Van Compass was there like okay that's it I got it I'm all in yes there was absolutely there was the aha moment was when the digital teams and the sponsorship teams kept on throwing in the logos and brands across the board and leaving a lot of money on the table that was an aha moment for me yes build a technology that's built around sponsor activation digitally and you got something and then last year when all these teams were trying to do make goods um, and try to retain as much revenue as they could without with empty stands um, we came up with a, a make you know make great strategy you know make good is only okay make great is even better so we moved all those digital and physical um, right or physical deals to digital and then we uh, partnered with nielsen sports to value all those different assets digitally so teams were able to go back to their sponsors on a one-to-one -one match like yes you gave us fifty thousand. this is the digital campaign and the promotion that we're going to be doing for you on fan compass and the total media value according to nielsen was one hundred and seventy thousand dollars. may we keep your your revenue this year mr uh and mrs um sponsor so those aha moments all happened last year and when we pivoted i don't like that word because i think it's so overused is pivoted when we um yeah and there's a bunch of companies named pivot what yeah actually ben right so it's not really pivot it's it wasn't really a pivot it was just accelerating the gas like i've always thought about sponsorship and how this digital ecosystem with social media and everything else can really be maximized for sports teams we just put the pedal down uh as opposed to holding up in what cave and you know what are we going to do next we went all in what opportunities exist for students or even you know entry-level employees out there that are trying to learn about the sponsorship side of the industry learn about the digital world the tech world um, that you know, traditionally speaking, that you know, most students are looking at the big four leagues and they're looking at what internships exist and so on to try and get in the door. But there's so many other avenues that exist in this, you know, outer outer layer, right? That all in, inherently impacts the business that we're in. What what opportunities exist, and what would you give advice to those students on where to look? I would say, you know, Andy and I, you know, when we have our board meetings or we're just chatting about everything else under the sun, we always talk about minor league baseball as the lab of all of sports. Like that's where the best ideas come out of, or at least get incubated. And when you work for a minor league baseball team or minor league soccer team, you have a lot more flexibility to have that creativity if you're a marketer to get in there, show your worth, and then to move up. Some of my bestest and dearest friends in the industry started off in minor league baseball. And, you know, one of them today is at, um, uh, at, at Tepper's group over in Carolina, Tom Glick, he's the president of both the Panthers now and the new MLS club that goes in there, but he started off in minor league baseball at the Lansing Lugnuts, um, which is now a client of ours as well. So uh, that would be some of my advice. Number two to anybody. Yeah, throw, throw Alan Ledford in there too, in terms of, this is an important point for, for many people that you know have listened in. Everybody looks at the neon-coded, big, gigantic named logos in sports, right? And we all know who those teams are. And nothing against them. 
but some of the best work, and I mean business work, promotion, marketing, sales, orientation, um, teamwork, leadership, and trust is done on, quote, the minor league level. And it always burned me because there's nothing minor league about it. There as major league, he mentioned Tom Glick, I throw in an Alan Ledford. You know, you talk about the level of the Sacramento River Cats and where Alan is now with um, the locomotive soccer team in USL and the Chihuahuas. Um, walk through what you've learned from all of these, quote, minor league organizations who are probably more major league than many major league organizations in their business acumen. In their business acumen, well, a couple things. One, you know, in minor league baseball, you know, you have 72 home games a year, right? So, you know, a homestand could be seven to 10 games. Seven to 10 games is really an NFL season for their home games, right? They call that right. a homestand. So if you're working to fill, you know, butts in the seat for that many games, your creativity and your penchant really to push the envelope on a lot of different things really kind of comes into play. You know, the boilerplate stuff that happens sometimes at the major league level and even international soccer, which we work with teams overseas as well, they get, they gum up sometimes and they don't want to do something to the next level, I feel. And then minor league baseball, let's try anything. And by the way, if we fail, we're going to fail so fast and we're going to destroy every piece of evidence we even tried because we're going to go out there the next day and go for it again. Jamie, as you think about that, you, you mentioned the international piece, whether it's sponsorship or even the digital side of things, you know, uh, we had an episode um, a few months ago or weeks ago, I can't think of time now in, in, in much respect, but they mentioned how the culture is different in, internationally in regards to social media and digital engagement versus the U.S. And I think we just sit here in the U.S. and think that everybody is constantly on their phone and engaged and uses every platform and so on. How is it different over there? And how have you had to work with the clients in a different way, knowing that the audience um, engages in a, in a different manner when it comes to sports? Yeah, so domestically here, audiences that are engaging are engaging within their, call it 75 mile range for the most part, right? And, or even, you know, for NFL teams, yes, it's more nationwide and there's fans in every state. Um, even colleges and universities, you know, people move around when, when they graduate. That's just the United States. When you go and work with a team uh, in the EPL, for example, they're not looking at their city as their, their ecosystem. Their ecosystem is the globe. And when you have fans in every single country almost, that are supporting your fans or are supporting your club, there's a lot of different messages that need to go out and it's all gotta be authentic. So when we work with teams and you know, Man City, Liverpool, uh, Chelsea and a few others out there, it wasn't, let's just do everything in English. Let's do everything in 15 different languages because that's where our fans are. And how do you target those by, by country? Cause it's just a different message all around. So the way that they think internationally is more globally we're here, it's more, you know, this is my bubble, this is where I need to play. And it's usually within, you know, the lower 48. So that's, um, so again, there, there are outliers. I don't want, you know, an NBA team going, wait a minute, we are global. I get it. I'm just saying, you know, in general that. I, I, as, we, as we 
take a turn um, towards the end on on this episode. You know, I want to talk a little bit about um, where and how you build your culture from a company standpoint in today's day and age, and kind of where it's going forward. We mentioned, you know, Andy mentioned at the beginning. There's a lot that has happened over this last year. A lot that's still going to happen in this this calendar of 2021 and and you know beyond. How do you go about setting the culture for a company like yours, um, and then you know adapting as things change? Sure. So you know when I started this company, that was the first agenda item that we discussed was culture, and it wasn't about what product we're going to build or how much money we're going to raise or you know who we're going to go talk to first. It was about culture. Let's build that first and let's build it right. And the culture always around Fan Compass ever since day one has been, you know, entrepreneur thinking uh, and being able to kind of do what you need to do to get your your, uh, your job done. It's not very boxed in. Um, I mean, we even adopted the, you know, unlimited days off policy around our organization. You know, if you got to take a day off, you just do it. You don't ask for it. You know, we're not going to say, oh, that's two weeks, you know, no more of that. So... We have this culture that we've already embedded within the organization. We've been uh, international. We've had um, people out overseas that we've worked with through Zoom. And, you know, we started off at Skype, if you can believe that, five years ago, over to join me to now Zoom. So when this all happened, we already kind of built for this stuff already. And it's, it hasn't really disrupted us. But, um, you know, just having people with the right attitude and anybody that ever gets involved with an organization, you got to fit culture yourself too. Because if you don't, you're going to be miserable as well. It's truly a two-way street. So we we really focus a lot on that when we do our hiring uh, as we go forward, and you know, bring, bringing on more people right now for for sales, um, for marketing support, and obviously account management with all of our new teams that are coming um, and continue to come on board with our company. So when we check in with you in another year or so, uh, what are you going to report back to us in terms of the growth opportunities, successes, and maybe some learnings of Fan Compass in the next year? Yeah, great question. Uh, I think this time next year, I'd love to report to you that you know we just hit uh, three figures as number of uh, sports properties that we work with, uh, which will put, bring us over again to over a hundred. Uh, we're getting a lot more interest right now in the esports space. I think they finally figured out, yeah, we we got to start making money at this stuff too. Um, and I think that's going to take off here in the next year. Um, and I also believe that um, these teams that we work with now are going to start collaborating uh, internally a, a lot more and doing cross-league best practices seminars and um, kind of like a like a marketing and, and sales super league, if you will, uh, within sports. So we're looking at that and, uh, and potentially building that, um, that program out for our, for our existing clients to be able to share better and see what's, you know, see what we're missing here. Jamie, one, one thing as we wrap up before rapid fire, um, you know, Andy, Andy and I have our new book here coming out, LOL, Loss of Logo. And I got to ask, I got to ask, what was behind your logo? You've got, you've got the, the red and the gray. You've got the word with the logo. I mean, how did that come about? So the name Fan Compass, uh, our original name of our company was Gaga. 
right? And the whole thing around Gaga was, you know, how fans feel about their favorite team. A week or two after we uh, named it, Lady Gaga blew up, right? No, no joke, right? Yeah, not physically, but in world uh, interest. Yeah. <laughs> not physically, correct, Andy. Um, and then uh, when we brought on Lisa Fahey five years ago, big brand background, Kraft, Pepsi, um, Annie's, Mac and Cheese, um, you know, all the consumer packaged goods. She's like, Gaga isn't it. I mean, that was more of a content play and your, your strategy with the Lakers and Jeannie Buss. That's not what we do. It's, it's different. It's something else. And we landed on Fan Compass. So Fan Compass is, you know, the badge, you know, it, it, it kind of looks like, um, like a compass, if you will. And, you know, we'll show you how to get there. We'll show you how to get there to find your fans, but more importantly, find revenue because the end of the day, revenue goes on a balance sheet, not a like or a retweet. You know, that's what they tell our teams. Uh, second edition of LOL, we definitely need to focus on that because I remember some of the conversations and how do you change name? How do you change brand? And, you know, Gaga wasn't IBM or Apple, but it still had a client base. How do you change to something that encompasses what's in your DNA? And literally, you know, we, I think we talked about, you know, the 12 hours on the face of a clock and days and, and then we got to Compass and it's 360, right? I mean, it's got it all. And you know what, uh, where it's pointing today might be a heck of a lot different as to where it's pointing tomorrow. And you better be just as competent of doing that yesterday, today and tomorrow. Love it. Jamie, do you have a do you have a compass yourself? Is that is that something you kind of have for your personal brand and how you you know you're always heading in kind of one direction more or less? I do. My personal compass is always positive. I always tell people I'm allergic to negativity, so I don't want to be around it. I don't need it. I mean, uh, I remember uh, speaking to a friend of mine, Mark Rockefeller, after his uncle David died, and he was 101 years old. I said, "What was his secret?" And Mark fired right back at me and he said, he was always around positive people. He never let negativity get in, into his life. Uh, he was always happy. And that's the key to longevity, right? And it's like, it totally makes sense. You know, you could always go down that, you know, woe is me attitude, but I'm just the opposite of that. That's my See, what's great about life in the front office is ideas just spring forth. So, um, as you were talking about the Rockefellers and going, hey, here's a guy who hangs with the Rockefellers. Okay, that's pretty impressive. That wasn't um, a dream job. I'm, okay, go no, ahead. No, 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 no. But I was thinking, shouldn't we craft our own fan compass, compass wearable for our clients as a thank you gift? I mean, you look at some of the watches today. I mean, holy cow, they're impressive, right? And you got this and that, but what about a fan compass compass? What do you think? I love it. I love I it. I think talk to Lisa and okay. have her call, you know, one of the frou-frou watch companies and tell them, hey, we got the gold encrusted four points of the compass, fan compass, compass. Yeah. <laughs> I'll wear it proudly and I wear zippity doo -dah. 
I was going to say, Andy, if you if you have a watch on your next time with with uh, life in the front office, I'll know where you got it and you heard it here. Jamie, on the positive note, uh, we're going to keep these three rapid fire questions in the positive uh, manner, we'll say, right. uh, positive perspective. So obviously, San Francisco, Silicon Valley, you have to have a favorite spot for anything. Could be the, could be bike riding on the bridge. It could be your favorite place you got soup. I mean, what whatever it is in Silicon Valley, what is it? Uh, it's actually in Marin. It's on Mount Tam, and it's Phoenix Lake. Absolutely, my favorite spot. Used to go up there as a kid, going fishing. A lot of place for thinking. Even got engaged up there. So that is definitely my favorite spot, Phoenix Lake. Jamie, any last uh, closing thoughts for us? I, I really appreciate your time, thoughts, perspectives, and, and certainly great to hear your journey with Fan Compass and um, certainly looking forward to what's to come as well. Yeah, the thought in you know, my last moments here is just keep going forward. You know, it's and, and don't just one step, you know, run. Just keep going as fast as you can forward and uh, take risks because if you don't, the guy right behind you is going to and he's going to pass you. So keep going forward. Thank you, Jamie. Uh, we really appreciate it. And Fan uh, Compass, they cover 360 degrees of whatever you need. <laughs>